Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Did you know that private practices are sellable assets? Meaning that when you're ready, you don't just close your doors and give away all of your clients and materials, but that you can actually sell your private practice and enjoy a nice payday? On today's episode, you're going to meet Craig Goldslugger, who's a financial advisor and certified exit planner. Craig specializes in working with SLPs. Why? Well, because he's married to one, so he cares deeply about our profession and the people in it. Craig has been invited to speak at ASHA and other industry conferences. He's a really nice guy and just wants to make sure that SLPs get what they deserve and aren't selling themselves short. No matter where you are in the private practice journey, this is an important episode for you to listen to because one day you'll be done with your private practice. Selling your private practice is a great option. So this episode will teach you more about it. So stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right. So today we're having a very special guest on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to let Craig introduce himself in a second. But Craig is a financial planner who has a very interesting connection to speech pathologists. And um, I'll let him share that with you. So welcome, Craig. Jenna, thank you so much for having me. And uh, when I give talks at ASHA or other industry conferences, and if you go to my website, the first line of my bio is I'm married to speech pathology, literally. So that is my connection. My wife, Lauren. Hey, Lauren is a private practice owner, speech pathologist. So uh, yes, I'm intimately aware of speech pathology. Yeah. And Craig, you and I have had numerous conversations and you've been uh, an advisor for a couple of my programs, which has been awesome. But you know, one of the things that's really interesting, and you know this as someone who's married to an SLP, is this idea of thinking about the future, right? SLPs love to be very responsible and most of us really kind of think about, you know, investing in terms of like retirement and that kind of thing. But what I was hoping to be able to chat a little bit with you today about is like this idea of investing in yourself as a business owner, right? Because a lot of SLPs just really have this identity of helping people person 
that then when people start talking about business stuff and retirement, they kind of shut down a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about what your experience has been like, you know, again, being the husband of a private practitioner and like working with SLPs to help them reach their financial goals. We can go many different ways in this conversation. And I think, you know, I know you're a big fan of SLPs getting their ducks in a row once they make the leap into private practice. And it's such a mentality shift, which is what I find to be the number one obstacle when practitioners make this leap into private practice. Because when you work for a school district, a SNP, a hospital system, a lot of your benefits are taken care of. They have retirement plan options for you, different insurances, different things that are available to you. So it's one less thing to think about. But what happens is once you become a private practitioner, what I have found as a business owner myself is that you really have two resources at your disposal. One is time and one is money or dollars in an investment. And so as you grow your business or even as you start your business, you have to think what is the highest and best use of my dollars and time? Because what I hear most commonly from clinicians as they go into private practice is, I want my time freedom back. I want to be able to go to my children's plays or their sporting events or spend more time with my family. And it's all noble and wonderful. But at the same time, if you don't put the hours into your business, that's when we can go on a whole diatribe about delegation and hiring other professionals or using your monetary resources in order to start your business and grow your business. So once you make that mentality shift from going from a W-2 employee to a business owner, you have to think about, well, what are some of the goals that I want to accomplish? What type of business do I want my private practice to be? And what resources do I have at my disposal in order to start and grow the business to whatever I want it to be? And that itself might be an interesting thing to talk about because even as you start your private practice, I think it's important to, I know a lot of SLPs are into vision boards and thinking and visualizing what they want their businesses to be. And so many clinicians I meet start as solopreneurs. I mentioned my wife, Lauren, earlier. She would classify as a solopreneur. She's got a full caseload now, but it's just her, no employees, no contractors or anything. And once you are a solopreneur, you really have to think about, well, do I want to take it to the next level? Do I want to hire? Do I want to grow? Do I want to scale? Or am I okay just having my time freedom and working the caseload that I want and the population I want to serve and the setting I want to be in? So a lot of that is thinking through with other industry professionals, um, other experts, other peers in the industry to define what your ideal business would look like. And that's one of the things that we do a lot with our people in the START program, too, is to really go through some exercises and say, you know, what do you want your ideal week to look like? Because you're absolutely right. When you're an employee, you don't have control over that, right? You sign up for a 40 hour a week position and most people end up working way over those 40 hours, right? And not getting compensated for it. But when you have a private practice, you really are able to design your time in a completely different way and also design the income that you want to make, right? Like in the schools, if you have a caseload of, I don't know, 75 or more kids on your caseload, like you're getting paid for the entire caseload, even if they keep adding more people, right? As opposed to with private practice where you're paid per session, if you want to earn more money, you just see more clients, right? But I think a lot of people don't necessarily even do the math to say, okay, if I wanted to work, you know, three days a week or four days a week, so that I could always have Fridays off or so I could take my kids to toddler ballet on Friday or whatever it is, right? How many clients would I have to see at what hourly rate or reimbursement 
in order to, you know, meet your financial goals. I literally want people just to sit down and do the math and figure it out because it's really liberating once you kind of know what that can look like for you. Absolutely. And I, I shameless plug for Jenna, I, one of the tools that was really helpful in the program was your, you have an income calculator like that. And it's such a powerful experience if you're earning, let's say $50 an hour in the school and all of a sudden your local market can support an hourly session, maybe at the private pay of $120 or $140. You could earn three, almost three, maybe even four times the amount for seeing one patient. Yes, you deal with cancellation or potential missing sessions, but the power that a calculator or the visualization to see, well, I desire to make X amount of dollars per month, you can totally control that. And we can talk about some of the obstacles to getting and filling a caseload and going through all of that. But at the same time, knowing what's available to you and just seeing, well, it comes back to what we were just talking about, setting goals for yourself. And so every person has different financial goals. And so if I have 50 clients, I might hear 50 different things of how much they want to earn per month. Some might say, I'm okay with just 3,000 a month. Others might want, might be the breadwinner of their family and she needs to earn 15,000 a month or even more. And if it's a larger business, they can earn even more. So it really just is totally dependent on what you aspire for. And I think that if you can earn your goal, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised sometimes as to it might only take 10 to 15 hours of caseload as opposed to working the traditional 40 to 50 hours in a school or hospital setting. Yeah. And it seems like I've had people say like, are you serious? Like really? Like, but you really can, and, and Craig can validate this, earn more money in less time, right? Because it really just comes down to the math. Like how much are you getting paid per session? And then how many sessions do you want to do? And do you want to stack those right on top of each other? Like one of our alums in the program, her name's Samantha Asher. She was also a guest on the podcast, but she is earning like over six figures working three days a week so that she has time on Mondays and Fridays to do stuff with her kids. And she talked about in her episode that she works really hard those three days a week. She is back to back to back. And those are pretty brutal days, but it gives her that time freedom on the other side. And at the time of that recording, she didn't have anyone working for her yet. She now does. And so she's able to have even more of her time and still bring in a really good salary, right? And so I think that's the way that I want people to start thinking differently is not just like that private practice is a setting like schools and hospitals, but it's a vehicle to get you where you want to go in terms of how do you want to spend your time and what are your financial goals? And then you just do the math and figure out how to get there. It's exactly right. And I think uh, some other obstacles that many clinicians fear and the, you know, fear can be its own topic in its own conversation. But when you lean on others who have gone through similar experiences, um, I think the greatest thing about working with so many SLPs, even OTs, PTs, and working with people in such helping fields is people really do lift each other up and want each other to be successful. So you, you do have a lot of communities, Jetta's included, but there are so many other resources available to you that you can learn from others who have gone through the same experience that you have. And there are many common obstacles that have been overcome. And just like anything in life, anytime you go through something the first time, it's scary or nervous, you've never done it. But when you can lean into the power of a community or others in your local town, county, state that have done it, uh, many people want you to be successful. And so a lot of that is that, I, I call it head trash. You just talk yourself out of it, you psych yourself out. And it happens to everyone in any line of work. Some people call it imposter syndrome. There's a lot of terms for it. But when you 
lean into things and you work with a team of professionals, I think that's the most important thing. And that's always something that I talk in my talks about with um, private practitioners, building a team of experts around you to support you and help you grow. So you have the power of these income calculators where you work with an accountant to figure out the best way to expense things, because that's a whole mindset shift now is that you're a business owner. You have the ability to do different types of entities and different types of tax returns and different types of things. A financial advisor, financial planner, insurance professionals, bankers, depending on the size of your business. You know, one of the things that I work with clients on as they take their businesses from solopreneur to the next level, something that I know that many clinicians haven't learned in school because as Jen and I both like to say, we know you didn't go to business school or earn your MBA. And if we each had a dime for every time uh, we heard that, we'd have a lot of dimes. But what I would say is that when you have this team of professionals or even like working with a banker, many people view the word debt as a four letter bad word, but just like anything responsibly, it can be managed correctly to help enhance your business, grow your business to levels that you couldn't even fathom. I mean, the most common example of debt, I would say to someone is a mortgage. Most clients of mine have some type of mortgage on their property and that's because they didn't have the cash in the bank to purchase their home. Does it mean debt is bad? No, it allowed them to buy a home. But at the same time, it's being a responsible utilization of debt. Um, just because you could afford a $500,000 home, maybe or maybe you shouldn't live in a $500,000 home. That I don't know. And that's part of the work that we do in figuring out what other goals are you want besides just being a homeowner, right? But for most people to accomplish that goal of homeownership, they have to um, procure some type of debt in the form of a mortgage in order to accomplish that goal. So yeah. I would challenge some SLPs to just think outside the box sometimes that there is no cookie cutter way to run a business. As long as you lean into experts who will give you sound advice that you can trust, then it might end up being a very good solution for you. Again, not appropriate for everyone, but sometimes in conversations that I have, a business owner or private practice owner has never even thought about it. And so sometimes just planting that seed and it doesn't have to be for today. It could be a th part of your three or five year, 10 year plan, because I, I know Jenna knows that as being a business owner, you have to do projections and forecasting of your business. What's good today will not be good tomorrow. And so what will your business look like in three years, five years, 10 years? It's all important part of business planning. Yeah, totally. And one of the things SLPs say all the time is that we hate to reinvent the wheel. Listeners, don't you hate to reinvent the wheel, right? But a lot of people kind of do that, right? They like wing their way through starting a private practice or growing one. They feel that's how the analysis paralysis sets in. That's how imposter syndrome sets in is like people either try to figure it out on their own or they keep procrastinating. That's the other thing I see all the time is people say, oh, I'll do this one day. You know, I'll do it one day. But, you know, think of how many times maybe you've been asked if you treat private clients, right? I know I was asked a couple of times before I actually said yes. And so had I said yes, like before, I would have been underway. I would have been helping those people. I would have been earning money, right? And so, you know, for all of the time that you put off doing this until later, until your kids are older, or until you move or all these other things, like it's a little bit of a wasted opportunity where you could have just got started now, even with like one client, right? Because the other thing is that I bet many of you listening have been thinking about doing this for a while, right? You've been thinking about it for at a minimum months, <laughs> but at a maximum possibly years, right? But you haven't really done it yet. And one of the things I wanted to get Craig's perspective on as a husband of actually one of my students, Lauren came through the START program, 
But, you know, how long had Lauren been thinking about private practice before she joined? And the second part to that is how long had you been thinking about her having a private practice before she started one? Two wonderful questions. You know, she thought about it for a long time. Her mother is a speech pathologist. She comes from a lineage of speech pathologists. So it's something she always thought about doing. And after she earned her C's and her master's degrees, she worked in school districts and she worked in different locations for many years. And I think it took some time to build the confidence in her skill set. And just like you said, Jenna, it, sometimes it's a real challenge to overcome, well, how am I going to get clients? I don't know marketing. I didn't do, have a marketing background. How am I going to fill a caseload? I mean, the benefit of working in a facility or a school is kids show up. And even if they don't show up, you still get paid. I mean, it's a good attribute. But Lauren, to her benefit is I think she doubted how well she could, her entrepreneurial spirit and just thinking outside the box, like we said, um, I'll, I'll share a story of how she built her caseload in six months. One of her closest friends is a pediatrician and our daughters are the same age. And just, she asked, you know, do you want me to do a screening? And somehow she ended up screening. And now she's the number one referral at the, our local pediatrician's office. So I, I encourage all of you, you have relationships, you have relationships in your community, your schools, your places of worship, where, whatever, your sports, whatever is important to you in your life. Sometimes you just have to ask and people, I do believe inherently want people to succeed and people want others to do well. And it's hard sometimes to do self-promotion. And I think that was what Lauren, she's very talented at what she does. Um, she works in the pediatric population, but it's hard. Um, it's hard for anyone to push and ask for business or ask for referrals or just ask for a chance. And so through that relationship with the pediatricians and then in our local daycare where our children go to school. So you just started talking to some other parents, other kids in the school, just letting them know what she does. And you know, what the benefit of preschool teachers are is they're aware of all of these screenings that children need, whether it's for speech, PT, OT. And so they can advocate for you. Oh, dude, you may not know this. Lauren or one of the moms and or has our dads in your class is a speech pathologist. Maybe you should contact him and have him do an additional screening for you. So you can get really creative and you can do lots of different things. I think one of the challenges was it's hard to go from zero to full caseload, right? That can be a very daunting thought. And I think that's what weighed Lauren down the most. So she's been building a private caseload over time. It didn't occur overnight, right? She just didn't go from zero to 25 kids a week overnight. So it started with some of these different resources. She also works with another local clinician who has overflow. So she takes on a few clients for her, partners with her. But again, the reimbursement rate is significantly more than working in a school district. So that's where it comes back to what Jenna and I were talking about earlier with the income calculator, where, you know, you don't need to replace the 75 kids that you're seeing in the school or wherever your caseload is in order to equate to the same dollar amount. And I think once Lauren saw that and really visualized that, I know most SLPs are visual learners. They want to see and experience what is going on. It can be really powerful to see, well, you know what, if I see 20, a caseload of 20, that's the equivalent of what I'm doing in the schools or however the math works out. And so it was a challenge to get her to do it, but now she believes in herself, which she always did, but now it's really shining through and it's so amazing to see. And we're having conversations about hiring. She had a website built for her and now we're hiring because she's got a full caseload, but the referrals keep coming in. So it's a wonderful problem to have, but at the same time, now she has her own, we mentioned the head trash before, how am I gonna hire? I've never done this. How do I do it? And there's so many resources available on how to do that. And that's the next step. So I think, especially when Jenna, you ask about spouses, I would hope that all of your spouses want all of you to be successful. 
And at the same time, it's not just throwing money at whatever you think might be the best thing. I mean, a wonderful example, and before Jen and I started recording this, and I'll share what we were talking about. So obviously we're on a podcast right now and I have my own podcast. And what a lot of people do is once they start a podcast, they get bogged down. Well, what microphone do I need? What software do I need? Do I have to invest thousands of dollars to launch a podcast? Little do you know it, but all you need really is your smartphone and you can just record. The audio may not be the best, but guess what? It gets the job done. So instead of wasting either thousands of dollars or tens or hundreds of hours researching this microphone versus that microphone versus this podcast platform versus that, just open the phone and hit record, right? So I think that's the other thing is that when we talk about investing into a business, there's tremendous resources available where, like you said, Jenna, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are so many good ways, either whether it's for marketing or EMR and records retention or accounting software or hiring processes, there's a plethora of resources available to you. And instead of going down the Google rabbit hole, which everyone is guilty of and spending tens of hours researching, well, which EMR should I use? Just start with one or go in a forum and ask a question and people will tell you the pros and cons. I would encourage everyone to have an EMR. It's very important. I think many of you would be surprised as to how many clinicians still use yellow pads, middle of folders, filing system. Fast forwarding to later in life, what your business, what you're building is something of tangible value. And so one of the real areas that I work with practitioners about is eventually being able to sell your business someday because almost all businesses are worth something. And if they are, you should be able to utilize the blood, sweat, and tears you put into your business for years and decades to monetize it and help with other future financial goals. So one of the things is when someone comes to me and says, Craig, I've had this private practice for this long and I do some uh, data gathering and due diligence and they tell me that they're using uh, a yellow pad and paper files and just nothing electronic. It really is just not what a 21st century business should be doing, especially with HIPAA and all other types of record retention and things that should be done. So I think that was a long answer to your question, but when it comes appropriate for the business, there are so many resources and ways to grow and invest. And like we, like I said, at the outset, you can either invest time or money. And if you can have someone build you a beautiful website for a thousand dollars, as opposed to buying books on coding or going on a website and spending tens of hours of your time. And that's, I think, coming back to the income calculator, what is your time worth? And that's the most important question as a business owner. A lot of times people have the challenge of delegating tasks. Perfect answer would be answering the phone. So you may not be ready to hire a virtual administrative assistant or an administrative assistant for your office, but if it costs someone $15 an hour as a business owner to hire someone to answer the phone and you can make $150 an hour doing a private pay therapy session, one therapy session would pay for that admin for the entire day, right? So it's the trade-off of time and money and figuring out well, how can I utilize my income to the best resources available? Yeah. And when you were talking about EMRs earlier, um, this is an example that I that I talk about in my book is that people are hesitant to spend, let's just say, $50 a month on an EMR, right? They say, oh, I don't know. That seems really expensive. But if the EMR is doing like text message reminders, right, to make sure that people are actually attending your session, or if you're saving a ton of time with documentation, all of a sudden, $50 a month seems like a steal, right? And it's tax deductible. So it's all about like shifting your thinking toward what is something going to cost me versus what is something going to earn me, right? Or make me as part of my business. And that's a huge shift for people. But the quicker that you can get there, 
the more successful that your business is going to be and the more you're going to make and the more time freedom that you're going to have. Right. And when we break down a business into all the different components, whether it's marketing, operations, HR and hiring, all finance, uh, managing the books, accounting, that's where the team of professionals come in. And whether it's a team or actual software, I mean, that's the benefit of technology today. There are so many resources available, not just professionals to, for use, but softwares that you can use, like Jen is talking about. How cool is it that you can have a software send out a text message reminder, and that way you don't have to pay. If that's why you're going to hire an admin, but now you don't need an admin because they can send a text message reminder, or you can have calls forwarded to an answering service, or there's many different ways to manage it. But I guess the, the bottom line is you can't think of it as an expense. Sometimes it's just a necessary component because you, in order to make that leave out of solopreneur. And again, you may not want to, you may be perfectly content seeing whatever caseload you desire and running your own business and managing it. And that's very noble and it's perfect if that's what you aspire for. But as you grow, it is, as you can imagine, nearly impossible. The hardest part of it being an FLP is you're, you're working caseload. So I can't make 10,000 pens and sell 10,000 pens, right? It's, an, it's a service-based business. So to scale, you do need more employees. You do need other, some of these systems and processes and procedures in place. But that will all happen when you're ready. I think the most successful clinicians that I know started all started as solopreneurs, basically for what we talked about earlier, time freedom, set their own hours, do their own population, serve who they want to serve. But then all of a sudden, they are really talented and really good at the profession, and then they grow. And then all of a sudden, they have a wait list. And they're like, well, I have all these wait lists. Why can't I service them? So let me hire. And there will be bumps. Some people will be bad fits. Others will be good fits. And just like we talked about, as you go through life and you experience new things, you have to have the trials and tribulations in order to come out the other side and, and continue to grow in the business. A hundred percent. And developing some tolerance with that, right? Like listeners, I want you to think back to when you were in grad school and you had your very first clients that you didn't know what to do with, right? Or even in your CF or beyond, right? Whenever you've worked with a new kind of a client, like there was a little bit of what like, I'm going to try something, right? You you did an assessment, you looked at you know their score, you decided you prioritized what type of therapy you were going to do, and then within that, what goals you were going to do. And sometimes they did great with a certain treatment approach, and sometimes they didn't, right? But you were able to problem solve that and try something else. Well, the same thing is true for your business. If you try something, like you're going to make your best guess, right? But if it doesn't go according to plan. 99% of the time, you just take a step back and you make a different plan. So I think sometimes SLPs really think about business as being like super different from anything that they've ever done. But there's a lot of transferable skills that are within our profession that sometimes people like don't quite realize that they can tap into, which is one of the things I do a ton in my program is help people realize like you may not have a business background. But SLPs are very smart, right? We're quick. We tend to be like fairly organized and we can make really good decisions. And we also can make different decisions later if things change. Craig, I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier about that you help people with selling their practices. And I want to say that something I see a couple times a month, which breaks my heart every time, and I always send them to Craig, is someone says almost verbatim, I'm closing my practice and getting rid of all my materials. Comment below if you want these things, right? And my heart always sinks. Craig, why does my heart sink and why would your heart sink when you saw those posts too? 
It does. And I know we feel the same thing, but if I can just give a quick story, I think it will help quantify some of the sink that we feel in our hearts. I spoke at an industry conference in 2019 and it was all private practice owners. There's a hundred women, sorry, 99 women and one man, because there are some men in the profession as we know, but overwhelming majority women. And I spoke about a topic called exit planning, which I referred to earlier about being able to monetize and sell your business someday, because you may not believe it, but many private practices are worth six, seven, maybe even eight figures, depending on the size. And I spoke at this conference about the topic and one of the attendees came up to me after and said, Craig, can I have a few minutes of your time? I just want to talk to you about something. And so long story short, she lived in Los Angeles County and her husband received a promotion. So they're moving to Silicon Valley. So moving from Southern California to Northern California. And what do we know about SLPs? Wonderful, good-hearted, love people, always want everyone else to do well and be successful. So this clinician was no different. She referred out her entire caseload because she wanted all of her clients to continue treatment and their plans of care and be taken care of, which is awesome. It's really wonderful of her. So she had no idea that she could even monetize or sell her business. So we spoke after the, uh, during this conversation and she said, do you mind if I send you some documents, her financial statements, things like that to value the business? And so I said, sure. Uh, she had closed the doors. There was no business anymore. She had started, I think, just private consulting or a small caseload in Silicon Valley when they moved. But I said, sure, you can send me your financials. Let me take a look. And we valued her business to be worth $650,000 oh. because she had a lot of contractors. She had a tremendous caseload and talk about heart sinking. Yeah. So, you know, everyone says when you get into business, what's your why? Why did you start? My goal is that as clinicians, you know, you're at many of you are at the beginning phases of your career and you can't even fathom selling, let alone beginning a business. But with hard work and determination, I can share with you that clients of mine and many other clinicians I know have sold their business for hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over years and decades. But this clinician is a perfect example of what Jenna's talking about in the uh, groups or forums and chats is that it's just, the, unfortunately, I can't think of a better word other than just ignorance that you just don't know that the business is worth anything, let alone so much money. And I know you all didn't go to business school and you don't have that background, but Hopefully this can be some motivation to not only just earn your time freedom, but realize that uh, you can build a tremendous business and be able to monetize it for a significant amount of money. And so sometimes we do see, I mean, Lauren just had this happen a few weeks ago where a therapist who worked in the county schools here, she had a little bit of a private practice, but not much, but it was the same thing. She just had a storage locker full of materials and Lauren responded to the chat and said, sure, we'll come pick them up. And now we have all of you go to conferences and conventions and know how expensive it is when you go to the super duper stand or some of these other publications and materials. This other clinician, in theory, donated to Lauren thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars of materials. We offered compensation and she said, no, I just want them to go to a good home. And so that's how I know SLPs are very nurturing and they care about people. And I would encourage some of you, if you're nervous about investing in the business or the latest assessment may cost hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. There are clinicians who I'm sure will give them to you or give them a, at a nominal cost. I mean, this woman was just cleaning out the storage locker. I think she was so happy that we helped her get rid of and empty out the storage locker, to be honest, right? So there's so many ways to be creative. And I think the overarching theme of SLPs is that they care about people and people want you to be successful. I would also say to you that there are many private practice owners in your city, wherever you're listening to right now or your state, who do not have what's called the succession plan. They do not have someone to buy the business from them. 
And that's the biggest area of opportunity that I, I see. I, I'm speaking at ASHA 2022, all about the topic of succession planning and transitioning your business. Because again, just like most of the themes of today, it doesn't happen overnight. And being an overnight success takes years, if not decades. And so there are many clinicians who are becoming more experienced and coming to the tail end of their careers, just like many of you are launching your careers or at the beginning stages. And there's so much synergy that can occur of what you can learn from this business owner's previous experience. Continue blossoming the relationships they built in the community, whether it's with pediatricians, preschools, hospitals, SNPs, whatever setting you work in. There's so much synergy that can occur and it can be a truly a win-win situation. It's not a zero-sum game. It's not, I buy the business from you and you lose. You both win. Clinicians able to monetize their business. Sometimes you don't have to start at zero. I've had many clinicians contact me about once they get out of the solopreneur phase and there's two ways to grow your business, either organically or inorganically. Organically would be acquiring your own caseload through marketing or other activities, right? So I find and procure my own caseload. Inorganically is through another word called acquisition. So acquisition would be the purchasing of another private practice. And so again, I've seen many success stories where a less experienced clinician buys a business from a more experienced clinician, but it's a transition over many years. And again, there's many obstacles and roadblocks that cause fear and trepidation, but there's a lot of creativity that can get into it. There's a lot of planning that can get into it. You don't necessarily have to have X amount of dollars in the bank. You can get financing. Remember I mentioned debt earlier. It doesn't have to be an evil four-letter word. You can use it to your advantage. So that's a whole separate topic on my website, utterlyfinancial.com. We have a lot of resources about selling businesses and how to monetize, things like that. So I guess that's a way to just encourage all of you that once you get to this growth stage, think in your head that it may not have to all be done on your own. You may be able to leverage relationships that you built, which is something that I will always encourage every SLP I meet throughout their entire career. And it doesn't even have to be just SLPs. Sometimes it's an OT or an ABA therapist or a PT who wants to become a multidisciplinary clinic and they want to bring speech services in-house. So they may want to buy your business or you might want to buy their business because that's where the real synergies occur, right? As many of you know, the multidisciplinary, when kids have to see many treatments, um, many parents prefer to go to one provider, one location to do that. So tremendous opportunities within the industry to really empower all of you to nurture these relationships, build them, and you never know what will happen down the road. It's really important. Like um, listeners, what Craig's talking about a lot is like the end, right? Like the practice that you've built over time and it may not even be decades, right? We've also, I've known people who sold their practice after, you know, five years or so, right? But the before that, like you have to build a solid practice. So what Craig was talking about earlier about people using, you know, notepads and manila folders and that kind of thing, that really is the old school way to do that, right? And one of the things that I teach in all of my programs is like the new way to do things and to really operate like a real business owner and not like somebody who's winging it not like someone who doesn't really know what to do, but someone who has a plan, right? And who's able to follow in the footsteps of people who've done this for themselves, done this for others, like that is worth something. And that's how you're going to be able to sell your business one day, right? So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is great. I have to make sure that I am building a sellable asset right? Then send me a DM. Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how I can help you either at the starting stage or also at the growth phase. Like Craig was talking about hiring, right? That's my whole grow program is about hiring and is about expanding your income and contracts and all that kind of stuff, right? 
that's not something that people should really be like winging it and like trying to figure it out, especially if you do want to have a sellable business one day. So I think that Craig and I are, are kind of cool in that we work with people at different phases of this journey, but all the while supporting SLPs, right? Because we really want people to be successful, just like you said. And so, you know, Craig and I are just two people who are out there kind of doing this work and loving it, right? Like I love, I think SLPs and OTs are like the best people and I want what's best for you. And I know that Craig does too. His whole business is supporting us. So anyway, Craig, do you have any like final thoughts for our listeners um, before we depart? I think everything you just said was perfect. I would add that, you know, just whatever you focus on, I wouldn't, you know, I, I know Jenna, you've talked on previous episodes with specialization and niching. Uh, you don't have to do that right away. But when you talk about explosive growth and the power that comes with that, I think every clinician should go through different settings, different types of clientele, different service populations to see who you like working with, who you don't like working with. I always use the example for any medical ailment, right? If I had heart palpitations, I wouldn't go see a podiatrist. I would go hop on a plane wherever the best cardiologist is in America or even the world because I want my heart palpitations to go away. You all are no different. I think generalists, you can service a gigantic population and you can say that we service everyone, which is great. But many parents or many caregivers, when there is a disorder for a child or an adult or a parent or whoever the population is, they want to go see the best for whatever the ailment is, however it can be cured or solved or a plan of care put together. And so that's where you talk about specialization. And as we talked about resources, there are so many resources. Maybe you want to be a Medicare provider. Maybe you want to deal with school contracts. Maybe you want to deal with feeding. Maybe you want to do mobile fees and fees. There are so many resources and you can get so granular and so specific. And that's where talking about specialization and monetizing businesses and being able to really command large asking prices for again, down the road, but even growing that specific expertise, because like we talked about, it's a service-based business. As a solopreneur, you can't service hundreds of people. You just can't do it. It's not possible. And that shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be to do the best at what you like doing the most. And again, I, I find that when I talk to graduate students, I encourage everyone to really try different populations, different areas, and then you'll find out what you really like doing. And once you really like it, there are resources to help expand that education specifically to the population or to the setting or whom you'd like to serve. So just rely on others that have gone through the journey before you. Um, there's, I don't know, Jenna, you probably know better than me, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of SLBs, tens of thousands of private practice owners. You are certainly not alone. You are not the first to do this. It's just the first time you've done it, which we've talked about earlier is what makes it scary, which makes it nerve wracking. But when you can lean into numerous experts, um, of course, Jenna's programs are great. We can advocate for them. It's been a tremendous resource to Lauren. And there's just many others as you grow and want to focus on, like I said, specific niches. So I would always keep that in the back of your mind too, is you don't have to do it from the beginning, just like you won't sell your business in the beginning. But as you grow and as you specialize and as you become the go-to person in your community for ABC disorder, you could really knock it out of the park. Absolutely. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being here. I know that you mentioned your website before, but can you please tell people again your website or your social media or your podcast for people to, to get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. So you can head over to utterlyfinancial.com. We have a blog, we have a podcast called SLP Money. 
And we talk about a lot of these different topics, whether it's selling a business, different types of insurance you might need as a private practice owner. Really, we just wanted to build resources so to help take away some of the objections that we talked about earlier is, I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. So if you want to invest some time by reading some blog articles or listening to some podcasts, we have tons of information available to you for that. And then if you go to the website, you can, we offer everyone the ability to schedule a consultation and we can talk about anything you want for 30 minutes, your personal financial goals, your business financial goals, your concerns, your struggles, things you want to improve upon. So if we're not the expert, if we can't help you, we know many in my industry and we know many obviously within the speech world as well, where if we're not the best resource for you, we're happy to refer and introduce you to others who may be a better resource for you. Yeah. Well, Craig, I think that this was a fantastic episode. Thank you for sharing your expertise and also your personal experience with your wife and as a husband of a private practitioner. But again, thank you for your time and for being on here and sharing this with our listeners. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, we're going to have to team up on Lauren and get her to come on once she make that first hire. And then we can go into more detail about the uh, hiring experience once that day comes. That sounds fantastic. I'll be looking forward to it. All right. Thanks again, Jenna. Don't you just love Craig? It's so refreshing to meet someone who isn't in the profession itself, but who cares deeply about those who are and just wants to see us thrive. We talked about this in the episode, but I have literally seen so many people post things like, I'm closing my practice and selling all of my materials. Check out the pictures below. Just pay for shipping. Well, that's one way to do it, but it's not the most financially savvy way. Now that you know that selling your private practice is an option, you have to build a sellable private practice. The Start and Grow Your Private Practice programs were designed to help SLPs and OTs create real businesses. Our students aren't just winging it. They're following step-by-step -step plans and turning their private practices into real businesses, sellable businesses. If you would like to learn more about our programs and how we can help you start or grow so that you have a solid business to sell one day, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.